0: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your Nine Fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we are again. It's time for another podcast. It's late in the evening, the kids are in bed, and for... um, for those of you who do have children, and uh, you know how crazy life can get sometimes, especially like if you're trying to juggle um, like laundry and a bath, and then brushing your their teeth, and then trying to get them to bed, it's almost like I need a taser around my house uh, to uh, get my kids corralled. So <laughs> right now, I ran out of beer, so I am enjoying a nice tall glass of red wine that uh, my wife got, and uh, I needed something something to, to relax, and uh, while I record this or uh, edit this podcast, I'm going to enjoy a nice glass of red wine, very rare, but hey, I like wine. Anyway, <laughs> that where that came from, I don't know, nobody knows, but today, man, we have another badass podcast. We're going to be talking with Corey Shaney from Missouri, and he's going to be talking about how he grew up hunting with his dad, his uncle, on a, on a family farm down in uh, northeastern Missouri. And uh, he's going to talk about um, how he started off with a gun, how he transitioned to bow, and how he kind of fell in love with the bow hunting. He's going to talk about some um, uh, proje- or, uh, habitat improvement projects that he's working on, talks a little bit about uh, food plots that he's working on, uh, so an overall kick-ass story. It's basically a hunter profile podcast, uh, and I think you're definitely going to enjoy this one. Now, Wasp broadheads are the most badass broadhead on the market, hands down. They're made in America, right? That's a good thing. Um, they have a ton of quality features, um, stainless, you know, like hard and stainless steel. Um, and again they're made in america so they're made from the highest quality uh materials that these guys can find and uh they're they're very proud of that Uh, they offer a variety of fixed blade and mechanical broadheads this year i am shooting the four blade fixed blade boss four blade, the boss four blade. Um, and although I haven't killed anything with it yet, uh, they are dialed in and, uh, they're looking for a little blood. So hopefully, um, in the next couple weeks before the rut hits, I can lay down a dough or two, um, just to, uh, get in the swing of things and, uh, get one or two under my belt. But with that said, You know, we we need broadheads, even in the middle of the season, guys. And if you haven't taken advantage of this WASP offer already, go to wasparchery.com, find out what broadhead is right for you, and then purchase them, right? And you can save 20% when when you enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS, no spaces, and uh, you can save 20% off your order, and that's pretty good considering um, I think their most expensive broadhead is like 40-some bucks. So take that into consideration, Made in America, Badass Broadhead, Shed Blood, I think that's it, Wasp Archery. Now, let's get into today's Hunter Profile podcast with Corey Shaney. All right, on the podcast today, Mr. Corey Shaney. How you doing today, Corey? Pretty good. How about you, Dan? You know, I can't complain, man. Uh, hunting season is here, and I've already been hunting, so that makes me a ha- happy camper. Have you been out in the tr- uh, timber this year?
1: I actually have not been. Um, I was wanting to go last uh, Sunday morning, and um, me and my buddies went to actually a tails Unlimited banquet on Saturday night, and we got a little too crazy and didn't even <laughs> make <making> it out.
0: <laughs> I love that. That happens, though, man how old are you? I am uh, 23. Okay, 23, yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Sounds like I'm some old son of a gun, but I can remember, you know, having very good intentions of going out hunting in the morning or or the next evening, and then uh, the activities from the previous night uh, caught up with me the next day, and I was only able to lay on a couch. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
1: that's kind of how it happened with me. I was wanting to go hunting, and then I ended up staying at a buddy's house and then i was wanting to hang a tree stand and didn't even get to do that so
0: <laughs> well hey you can't hunt every day right yeah That's figured i'd right. just
1: save my save all my eggs for the end of october
0: there you go well uh before we get into today's podcast and talk about what we're going to talk about why don't you let everybody know where you're from and what do you do for a living
1: I am um, from Vienna, Missouri. I currently am living in St. Louis. Um, I graduated, just graduated college, with a construction management degree, and I work here in St. Louis as an assistant superintendent for a general contractor here in
0: St. Louis. All right. So, what does your job entail? What do you do?
1: Um, I'm just uh, kind of sh- um, and the assistant to the guy that runs the project, a construction project. Um, yeah. I do a lot of quality control um just double checking stuff before things go in place you know a lot of a lot of leg work that you know making sure everything's
0: right before it, it actually hits the field and goes into place right okay so and how long have you been doing that um i've been doing it since uh june
1: i graduated gotcha. in may and i've been doing it since june
0: right so you're you're uh in the big boy world and living uh no more college fun huh
1: yeah, yeah. Actually, um, right after I graduated, I didn't have a lease yet in St. Louis, and they sent me to Omaha, Nebraska, and um, I was supposed to be there until, like, right now, and um, they ended up sending me home a little, sending me back to St. Louis a little early, and I I lived there for about two months. I just moved back there to, about the beginning of September.
0: Yep. I moved
1: back to St. Louis, my bad. But gotcha. I didn't look at the Iowa um, regulations. If I'd have known I was going to be up there, I lived right across the river from Iowa, and I would have got residents in Iowa, and I'm gonna <laughs> maybe get some <laughs> public land hunting if I'd have been there for ninety days.
0: <laughs> heck yeah, heck yeah. That's how you do it, man. But um, let's see. You live in Missouri. Uh, you have you always lived in Missouri? I mean, is that where you grew up? That where you is that where you hunted?
1: Yeah, that's I've always hunted. It's just um, south of Jefferson City. Nice, just nice. right in the middle of state.
0: Are you a St. Louis Cardinals fan? I am a Cardinals fan. Huge Cardinals fan. That's awesome because I work with nothing but Cubs fans, and it really just like ever since they won that World Series, they think they are the the best baseball team ever. That they're the shit. It's like they they're competing somehow f- it from a hist you know um, historic standpoint with like the Yankees and the Cardinals right and yeah they're they're really not
1: yeah they are not even close they got (laughs) lucky
0: and I think they're gonna get lucky again yeah right right um well let's get after it man let's see how old were you when you started hunting
1: um I was about eight when I started hunting but for some weird reason um my dad handed me a 20 gauge slug and it took me a few years to kill one I think I killed my first year when I was
0: ten. Yeah. Okay. So ever ever since you were young, eight, nine, ten years old, you've been uh you know, you've been at least gun hunting. Is this uh is this something that, you know, your your father or uncles got you into or uh who I guess who were your mentors?
1: Um, I would say my uncle was my mentor, so it's a kind of a weird situation. My dad's in race cars. And um, my uncle was always the one taking me youth hunting. I would go youth hunting with my uncle. I have a brother that's two years older than me, and he would go youth hunting with my dad when we were younger. And my brother never killed anything. And I killed something pretty much from the time I was 10. I don't think I've been a year since then that I haven't killed a deer. (laughs) And um, when I was about 13, I kind of, 14, I started branching off on my own, turkey hunting and deer hunting. And it's just kind of, that's when I started bow hunting when I was about 13, and
0: turkey hunting on my own, and it
1: was, it was a pretty rough road for you know three or four years after that when I was trying to figure everything out.
0: Yeah. So uh, you you decided that you wanted to go out hunting by yourself. Was that because your like your dad and your uncle were busy and didn't have time to it, or was that you saying, "Hey, I don't want you guys to come with me. I want to go out and do it by myself."
1: Um. Well. I still went with my uncle during youth season, um, but during the regular seasons, I'd go by myself. Um, I went to, until I was 15 youth hunting with my uncle, and actually, my uncle was pretty cool. He always videotaped me. Um, oh. He has, he has about, well, he, I think he has about four or five deer on, on camera. I mean, it, it's not like, you know, real good or anything. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. I got a funny story later from my second deer about that.
0: So... But, he you kind of have those memories with you, right? he's brought you uh, mm-hmm. he brought you hunting, and then he also did some filming up until you're like fifteen sixteen years old
1: yeah, yeah, and actually the the big deer I shot when I was fifteen was the last deer it was that one fifty five that I shot, and um my uncle actually had gloves on that morning, and he pushed the record button and it started recording it recorded for about four seconds, and he didn't think he hit it hard enough, so he clicked it again and it stopped recording <laughs> and he missed that 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 shot on camera
0: well i tell you what uh, i used to film a lot of my hunts as well back in the day and uh, i can honestly say that i have done that not not once but more than once mm-hmm. so so growing up were you like in your early years you know from eight to fifteen was it strictly gun? Uh, did you were you bow hunting at all at this point um
1: yeah so i i was i used a 20 gauge slug until i was 10 and then when i was 10 my dad thought i was big enough he's a 30 30 and that's when i shot my first deer and then my uh when i was 11 um uh, got a pre- this is the funny story so um i, I was hunting with 30 30 and me and my uncle were sitting in a homemade ladder stand i'll sitting between his legs and a deer comes out about two hundred and sixty yards and this is all on video and my uncle, he's like he range finded it, he's like, Oh, it's two sixty and he's like, You wanna shoot it? And I was I didn't know how far that was with the thirty thirty, you know and he uh he goes, Okay, he goes, Aim at the top of the back and I shot and missed it and it kinda ran in a little circle probably about twenty yards closer. I think it was like two forty and he goes, You missed under it he goes, aim a foot over its back <laughs> I shot and I hit it at 240 yards or thirty thirty 30-30 and dropped it. And it had a fawn with it. And the fawn was running around it, kind of the bomb was kind of balling on the ground. And the, and I, and all of a sudden, I shoot again. My uncle's like, oh, she's going to die. He thought I was shooting at the doe. Well, I was shooting at the fawn. And I, I didn't know. I only had one tag at a time. And then a buck comes at like, 300 yards. And I shoot again. And he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and... I go, I have like nine tags because I have, I have <laughs> 100 tags this time. And uh, he goes, no, you don't. And it, it was pretty funny because I was 11 and he's like, why do you shoot so many times?
0: So did you have enough tags for that scenario or did, did. No, no, no. I, I
1: missed them. I missed them all. And I just thought I had nine tags, but I had turkey tags and deer tags and archery tags and all these <laughs> other tags that I didn't pay attention to. That was 11. <laughs> I thought I had nine deer tags. <laughs> So he thought you, I was just shooting at the doe that was on the ground.
0: So you killed three deer at that one time?
1: No, 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 no. I only killed the doe.
0: Oh, I, I got gotcha. The other two. Okay. I,
1: okay, I was shooting at the other two, but my uncle thought I was shooting at the doe on the ground.
0: Gotcha. Because it was gotcha. balling. Yeah. All right. So, so when did you start getting? Did, was there a point that you started getting into bow hunting?
1: Yeah, I was. I was about thirteen. And, um, I think I'd shot two bucks at that point point. Right. and, um, I wanted to shoot a buck for my first bow kill and it, I passed up a lot of does when I was 13 and, and 14 and by the time I was 15, I had a couple of chances of bucks. I just couldn't get shots on them. I actually, the first thing I ever shot at with my bow was a bobcat. I was sitting there one morning and, um, uh, eight pointer was like 35 yards and I turned around real fast and it saw me and it wasn't 20 minutes later. And uh, a bobcat walked 15 yards under my stand. I shot it and just, I hit it perfect, but it was just about two or three inches low. So it didn't really hit any vitals and it, it ran off. I couldn't find it. But the first d- deer I ever shot was a bow. I think I was 15 and I shot, I think I shot two does that year with my bow. Right. But I, ever since then, I mean, I've been, I've killed multiple deer a year with my bow yeah. um i've not really killed too many bucks with my bow just because of the fact that i haven't really found anything that i haven't got a chance at anything that's really up to my expectations i guess
0: right um so.
1: I've, I've had you know some hundred and you know a little over hundred inch eight pointers and stuff but other than i've had a few chances at some pretty good ones but i did just not didn't quite close the deal you know it's not i miss i just couldn't get them close enough or whatever
0: right, right, so is shed hunting or excuse me is is bow hunting something that you do is like is that your main thing, or oh yeah. do you kind of split I, I, the time I, between gun and bow
1: i I gun hunt, but I mostly bow hunt i I actually just took my rut vacation uh i it's the company I work for we start off with fifteen days, which is pretty unheard of it's coming out of school. Yeah. And, um, so I took off the weekend of Halloween or the weekend of Halloween. I took off the Monday and Friday that weekend. And then I took off the whole week of the 6th to 10th of November. Nice. So I'll bow hunt that whole time. I'll gun hunt on the weekends, you know, but I'm not a huge gun hunter anymore. It's going to, it's probably got to be over, you know, 140, 150 inches for me to kill one with a gun. Nice. Okay. So, but I'd say my, my bad. Go ahead. I was gonna say my bow. My bow expectations are just a little bit lower. I think last. I think last year I passed uh, a couple three year olds. I would say that go around one fifteen, one twenty. I was looking for something just a little bit bigger. I mean, I would shoot a three year old my bow, but I was looking something more like one twenty five, one thirty. I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, you. You love you love hunting, right? It sounds like you're. Oh yeah. You you uh, you kind of hunt every season. Um, you you uh, turkey hunt too down there?
1: Oh yeah, I I actually doubled up this year. One morning, um, I killed two of them. I called them in from about 400 yards away, about 11 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning.
0: Nice, nice. Well, let's talk about this uh, farm that you hunt. Um, what's the What's the farm, or what's the farm like? What's the terrain on this uh, farm? Uh, it says here you got a little history uh, on this farm. Why don't you kind of fill us in what your farm's like, the history behind it, so forth and so on.
1: Um, so it's 620 acres. Um, it's it's uh it's really long and skinny. It it, it borders the river for about a mile and a half. Um, actually, we have a river cabin that borders it on the east side of it and we own five acres down there um and this place has an old man lives on it he's about 85 and they have an old cabin on it too so their family kind of stays there during deer season it's um so to the east of it there's a dairy farm and they have a lot of crops and alfalfa and corn but the unfortunate thing about that is they chop that corn um in august usually for their for the cattle they don't let it Silage. mature and they don't pick they don't pick it yeah yeah so that kind of sucks um in that aspect but then to the west of it um is a big huge timber lot i mean it's probably 800 acres of timber and so i'm kind of stuck in between these two i got um you know ag on one side and then got woods on the other side with a river on the south side and then a county road on the north side so it's kind of there's some pretty good boundaries on it you know i mean deer will cross the river and they'll cross the county road but they're a little less apt to do that sometimes you know um but for the farm i hunt on there's this it's just mostly rich fields um rich fields and bottoms i mean he i think he's got i'd say about 80 acres of bottom river bottoms and then I would say probably close to about the same, probably about hundred acres of ridgefield and then the additional probably four hundred acres is mostly woods.
0: Yeah. So but, uh, is it I mean, does it hold very good deer? I mean, is there a good ratio, good numbers? Um, that's it's
1: it's kind of there there is good numbers. Um so my buddy's got a farm just north of there about twenty miles. And he'll see, it's crazy. He'll see sixty, seventy deer night. And I, I mean, I'll see deer. I mean, it, a good day is if I, if I see ten, fifteen deer in a day. That's pretty good, you know. I don't, I don't go out and see thirty or forty deer, you know. I don't. I, there's not ridiculous numbers down there, but um, yeah, there's good numbers. I think last year I had close to forty different bucks on camera. But I would say out of the forty, you know, probably twenty of them were year and a half year olds, you know. Yeah. I gotcha. But I would say there's probably four or five shooters last year that I had um, between you know one fifty five neighbor killed that one and um, probably one you know thirty five is what I'd consider a shooter.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about the. Um, I guess you, you grew up on this farm, right? This is the place where you hunted yeah. almost your entire life.
1: Yeah, that's where I killed my first deer when I was 10, and I hunted there when I was, you know, eight years old or whatever. But, yeah, I've been hunting there pretty much my whole life. So, it's taken me a little while to figure it out, you know, um, just because really when I – it took me until I was about 16 or 17 when I was, like, really starting to learn, you know, and not just go out and hunt as much as I can. Yeah. Because that's what it used to be. I I, I think it was back in 2010 – was the first year that the landowner let me plant a food plot. It was about a half acre. Um it what it, it came up pretty good, but that was the only bow scene I had. Uh, it was right in the middle of the food plot and I hunted it every you know, every time I got a chance, morning, night, early season, you know, late season, whatever it may be. And it took me a while to figure out, like, you know, there's they're they're definitely catching on to me walking in here and stuff like that. I'm hunting it way too much.
0: Right, right. So, on this farm, uh, did you, was that part of the state affected by the EHD real bad that one year, or was that to the west of you a bit?
1: Um. Well, it's kind of crazy, because just north of me, just like a county north of me, got hit really hard. But where I was at, I mean, there were some, I mean, I know I had a couple buddies that had found some big deer but i don't think we had a big huge kill off to be honest i think it was just you know 40 miles north it was really bad but as of where i'm at i don't think it was too bad
0: okay um so nothing kind of affect was affected there um so over the years this sounds like it's it's an operational farm right no it is not it is not so it's It's 640 acres of just kind of solitude. Yeah, this,
1: this old, the old man that owns it, my grandpa used to, my grandpa didn't own it. So my grandpa, an Angus corporation owned this farm. They owned about, this is only 600 acres, but they owned about 2,500 acres in this area. And in 1990, my grandpa like ran the whole farm. Like he was like the manager of the whole farm. Right. And um, so in 1990, that, that corporation sold that farm off. I mean, They had farms in Kansas, Oklahoma, all over Missouri. And this was just one of their farms, and my grandpa happened to live on it and own it. So but he sold it off in 1990, and this old man is a, a lawyer from St. Louis, I believe. Um, he bought it, and ever since then, he won't um, let anybody plant crops on it. He won't let anybody run cows on it, won't let anybody cut hay on it um so it's just a farm pretty well strictly for hunting
0: okay so what's the ha- i mean we you already kind of talked about the terrain and the habitat but is it does he lease it out does he have other friends that come in and hunt it uh how, how are you do you lease it or is it just permission
1: no it's just permission um so he's got a big a pretty good-sized family um, which this is the downfall to the farm. Um, he he's got a lot like, n- not necessarily sons and daughters, but like nephews and then like right. their kids, you know. And they they're kind of like the weekend warrior, gun hunter. Brown is down like they're only down there to kill the, you know whatever walks. Right. And to my advantage, they're not good hunters, so they don't ever <laughs> kill any bucks. So they're, I'm not I'm never really worried about them killing my big bucks. I'm more worried about the neighbor. Um, yeah. But as of that, the only bad part about them is the hunting pressure. Yeah. So they'll pretty well from you know, I mean they come they come out during youth season and they'll have you know four or five kids go hunting. But then during gun season you might as well not even go down there for you know the first ten, you know the gun season during from about the tenth of November to the twentieth. Right. And then for about two weeks after that, it's pretty not very good just from the hunting pressure. But you get into the beginning of December, it starts getting good again.
0: Right. So let's talk a little bit about that then. 600-plus uh, acres, right? And, and you're saying that they're not very good hunters. Is it the pressure that pushes the deer off that farm then onto somewhere else where the you know they're getting killed? Because I would assume... That if you said they're not killing very many deer, you would have a really good age class of bucks. Is that is that accurate? Um, yeah, they're
1: yeah that that I don't know how to explain it. They they push them off for but and used to when I didn't plant food plots. Um, I I'll go into what I planted this year and last year. Those are my biggest food plots, but before they used to the hunting pressure came and then they would just leap you know so like late season wasn't very good but the last three years i've been planting these food plots um this year i got about 10 acres in food plots down there um they like i saw my best year last year where i had pretty well bucks that i watched from june and then they would they stayed there pretty much till february and all through the hunting season well you know that about middle november november 15th they just pretty much went nocturnal i mean you You couldn't catch a deer in in daylight pretty much at that point. And then they started showing back up in the daylight probably the first week of December, you know, two weeks after hunting season, two, three weeks after. Um, But, yeah, there's a pretty good age class. I would say it's probably about, you know, 10 probably 15%, four-and-a-half-year-old or older. And then I would say there's probably, you know, 25%, three-and-a-half-year-olds. And And then I would say 50%, you know, two-and-a-half to one-and-a-half
0: right okay it's it's not bad right so does that then translate into big racks for you because for me where i'm at in iowa probably only oh i'm gonna say two hours to the north of where roughly you're and i think i can get to st louis in about three and a half hours from where i hunt
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, so we're somewhere in between there i can get and it may be soil. It could be a number of different things. But if I have a four, you know, if I have four and a half year old bucks or older, there's going to be a handful that have some bigger racks on them. Are you seeing? Are you seeing that on your farm?
1: Yeah, I, the biggest one I had on camera last year, um, neighbor killed it. Um, it went one fifty four, I think. Okay. And that was the biggest one I had on camera. Um, I had one that I was real. I was really excited about this year. Uh, he was a three year old last year. And he was about 145 inch ten pointer, and kind of disappointing this year. I got I just got pictures of. Him. He showed up last year. You know how they say the fall shift. Yeah. Um, he showed up last year. I didn't. That was the only one of the only bucks that I had that I didn't have over the summer. And he showed up on October second last year, and this year he showed up on September 14th. And um, he he didn't grow at all really. He's probably about the same size. He's probably about an inch wider and about a little bit heavier. I mean, he, he might have grown five inches, if I'm lucky, but right. he's about the same size. You can definitely tell if you're older, though, his belly is a lot bigger, and his shoulders is a lot thicker.
0: Did you have a um, bad drought there this year?
1: Honestly, I can say that during the summer, we, we did pretty good. I mean, people, I heard you, I listened to about all your podcasts, and I heard you guys up there in Iowa was getting hammered with some dry weather, but um, we got pretty periodic about every 10 days we'd get i mean a half inch to an inch of rain which during the summer is not too bad no um until honestly until i just planted my food plots on august 26th and um ever since then man it's been dry here that's about yeah. the worst it's been
0: yeah so is this the first full like the first year you've planted food plots on that property
1: um, uh, well, I planted that one half acre one starting in 2010. I think I planted it for three years and then, um, then 14 and 15, I was just in school and I got caught up, you know, and didn't, yeah. didn't get to plant it. Um, but last year, um, I started, I actually asked the landowner, I was like, I asked, I go, Hey, can I, there was a 10 acre bottom. And I go, I, I wanted to plant a little bit bigger food plot. So I planted about two acres, um, and I, I put clover and alfalfa and chicory kind of stripped it on two on about two thirds of it. And then in the middle, I put, um, I think it was a biologic maximum with, um, some winter bulbs and sugar beets, I think, in the middle, and it, it did pretty good last year. Um, and then this year I just kind of, um uh, maintained that plot. I reseeded it with, um, in the spring, I frost seeded it and, um, mowed it a couple of times this summer sprayed it and it, it, it's looking really good now. And, um i asked him this year i've been mean, kind of inching a little more each year here and i asked him this year i was if i could plant that whole bottom in beans and he, he was like oh yeah sure if it's as long as for the deer or whatever yeah. so i i planted it in beans i put actually sunflowers and some corn i just kind of threw some corn in there the cedar the drill i was using um wasn't really made for corn so it, it was pretty spotty but it's mostly beans and they, they turned out really good and they're just, they're just starting to turn right now. I got them planted probably the first week of July,
0: I think. Oh, nice. So. Nice. So have you been out hunting yet on that? I haven't, I have not. I've been,
1: I was wanting, like I said, to go last Sunday. Um, I've just been working and yeah. it's been pretty hot around here. So I just right. kind of like, I, I'm trying to think of an excuse to, uh, get off next Wednesday or leave early or something because it's going to be the coldest day so far. I think it's low in like 39 degrees and high in like 62 degrees in the north wind. So
0: Right, right. All right, so last year after you planted that food plot, did you notice anything about the property? Like were more deer sticking around before and after the season? Um, did it influence maybe any growth, antler growth, um, any jump in numbers, anything like that? Um, I can't
1: for sure say antler growth about anything, but I did definitely see my best year of deer sticking around. Cause like I said, some, some years I, w- I would, you know, have really good pictures up until pretty much first, second week of November. And then when the hunting pressure came, then I wouldn't, I couldn't really get nothing, you know, middle of late December
0: when I mean, they were just
1: gone. Um, but last year I saw really, really good daylight in middle, of late December, even January, um i saw a lot of bucks stick around um i had one i had about four chances of deer last year i had a nine pointer on the day before gun season i drew back on and and passed he's probably about 115 inches and then i had the same buck twice once on i think november 6th and once on on january 7th and i passed him up twice he's a three-year-old probably about 115 inch eight pointer um like I said, if it had been about ten inches bigger, i probably could have pulled the trigger, but yeah he he's he had a good rack on him. I think he had good potential, so I, I just kind of let him go one more year
0: right but gotcha so you you've been planning food plots for a while now, um you know, at least messing around with them last year. it sounds like it was your first serious year. <laughs> what uh it, it, you're fairly new to it right would you would you consider yourself a new food plot artist
1: um yeah i have been i do my research you know and i got my dad's got a lot of friends that are farmers that are you know big time crop farmers and they' give me give me a lot of pointers and I've got some resources available that they aren't mine specifically but like you know like tractors and discs and and drills and stuff like that so i I have kind of a setup. I can borrow stuff, you know, from family and friends and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I would say I, I am new to food plotting, but I've been doing it since 2010. But you know, like you said, last year is about. I think I planted three and a half acres last year. Actually, I actually had three food plots last year: two half-acre ones and then the two-acre one.
0: Right. And this so, year I got
1: about, I'd say,
0: nine acres. Nine acres. Okay, good. So for for the guy who is maybe uh, thinking about you know planning a food plot or you know is maybe somewhat new to it never really done it what do you have to tell them as far as things to look out for things that maybe you maybe made a mistake on and uh um, and what not to do Um,
1: I would say don't oversee turnips. that's what I did my first year <laughs> <laughs> hey I did that I, I did that any. too um other than that, I like those bottoms that I'm playing in, they they've been flooded and everything else for twenty years. So they have they have some pretty good dirt, but my dad did my dad called me stupid last year when I was putting all the fertilizer and shit on, you know, because it's yeah. so expensive. He's like, it's gonna grow anyway, blah, blah, blah. But I would say another thing is um definitely make sure you get a good kill. Last year I, I sprayed twice and then I burned and then I dissed it up and and it, it turned out really good last year. I mean I had I had, uh, radishes that were as long as my shin and turnips half size of my head and sugar beets and stuff. And it 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 turned out real good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so don't overseed turnips. What about like, uh, fertilizer, you know, and, and making sure that you have your, uh, uh, you know, the, the weed bed killed, the grass bed killed before you plant, any other advice or things that you did wrong and learned from or, or, you know, if you were to do things over again, you would do this different?
1: Um, I, I'm not really sure. I did do a soil test for the first time last year. I got my the Whitetail um, Institute soil test. I mean, I could have went to my MFA or whatever and, or soils and water and got one, but I just did the Whitetail Institute. It seemed pretty convenient. I could mail it in. They'd send me whatever I needed. And I honestly followed that script pretty pretty uh, religiously. I put exactly what they told me to put on there. And I also tried, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Deer Grow, uh-huh. that, that product. Um, it's like a, a liquid calcium um, fertilizer. Um, who The Buck Advisors and I think Bill Winky, um, Midwest Whitetail, I think they're sponsored by it too. Um, Deer Grow. I don't know if you look into it. it they have two different things called Plot Start and Plot Boost plot starts kind of like a liquid lime I would say and then plot boost is like all the micronutrients um I used it last year I can't vouch for it or not my food plot turned out gray and this year I just actually bought some more of that plot boost for my clover and alfalfa and I just put I overdid it I put, I put it like four acres worth of plot boost on two acres of of clover and alfalfa so I, I just did that about two weeks ago so I'll see, and, and I put some uh Clefidem that um spray in there to, to kill the grass so uh, i'll see how that turns out for I, I haven't got really much rain since then i guess we got some today but
0: okay all right now we've talked a little bit about food plots now what about like habitat improvement uh hinge cutting um you know trying to kill foreign grasses and and plant new grasses or anything like that i'm not i'm not an expert at any type of habitat improvements i i know hinge cutting timber stand improvement type of activities have you done anything like that is that on your you know is that on your schedule for like incoming years
1: yeah um so i, I wanted to do it last year and i just never really got around to it um but i want to buy this farm someday if i can afford it um there's a there's a hell of a stand of, of oak trees on it. I mean, there's probably 200 out of the 400 acres of mature oak trees. And I've been contemplating the last three years, how I could, how I could ever, you know, maybe buy the 600 acres and maybe sell, you know, 150 of it or something. And, you know, maybe do a little login or some selective cutting or whatever it may be. Um, But, as of right now I think I might have to get the landowners, you know, permission to do that.
0: Yeah. But
1: um I, I I'm not really sh- I, you know, I, I really want to do it but I'm not sure how a landowner feels about it and I and I've been kinda like I said, inching each year to um yeah. do a little more and a little more and, and that may be one of the things that I wanna start doing here soon. And I might cut a few will trees, you know, drop one here, drop one there to maybe, you know, direct the deer in a certain way. But as of right now, I mean He's let it pretty much grow up since he doesn't have any, you know, cows or nothing on it. Um, yeah. So there, there are some. There's like a bottom. It's probably about five acres, and it they didn't brush hog it one year, and it's just that, that was probably ten years ago, and now it's just grown up like a swamp. But it's good because it's they they brush hogged a little path through it, and now I think the deer all bed in there.
0: Oh yeah, so it's real thick and nasty, huh?
1: Oh yeah, it, it the the woods that's a problem. Some of the woods are just real big and mature and like looks like a park, you know, like not like you want for deer hunting. And then there are like some bottoms and other woods that are just thick, nasty,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is the, it sounds to me like the landowner is pretty open to habitat improvement type activities. Mm -hmm. He let you play in a food plot because it's for the deer um, mm-hmm. if you, I mean, I'm sure that if you said, Hey, I want to hinge cut, you know, this many acres, uh, to create better bedding and habitat for not just the deer, but for all animals. It sounds like to me, like he's all right with activities like that. If it improves the habitat.
1: Yeah. This is kind of tells what kind of guy he is. One year we had a ice storm and a bunch of trees fell in his yard and my dad was like, Hey, we got a skid deer. We'll clean that up for you. He goes, Oh no! It'll it'll give a place for the rabbits to get away from the coyotes. And it was in his front yard, a brush pile. So that's the, that's the kind of guy. He is. Gotcha. He's not real. He's not real big on looks of his farm, but he's more about the wildlife.
0: Well, that's good. That's and he doesn't hunt himself.
1: No, he you know, he's like eighty five. He has a daughter oh, okay. that that gun hunts. Um, you know, maybe two days out of the year. But other than that, she's probably. 45 years old you know
0: gotcha gotcha so most of the time on this farm do you have the run of it I, or like for for during archery season at least
1: oh yeah i i'm pretty much me my uncle my uncle he's kind of got a screwed up shoulder now so he hasn't been hunting the last year or two as much but me and my uncle and this one other guy are really the only guys that bow hunted hard i mean a couple of those other guys since missouri Got the you know the crossbow last year the year before there had been a couple other people of this family that have been crossbow hunting maybe shoot a few does but yeah. other than that I've pretty much got full reins on the whole farm most of the year other than the two weeks during gun season
0: right right so on this farm this year you planted beans and I know you really haven't been out there to see how the deer you know are going to take to it you don't really know how it's going to affect you know the actual hunting on it but for the future are you going to stick with beans or I mean have you put in, in into any thought of maybe making additional food plots adding bigger food plots the shape uh, you know different different vegetation for them to eat
1: yeah Um. so as of right now I have um, two half acre, um, clover plots and one's completely on the other side of the farm. Like I see way different deer on that side of the farm. It's probably a mile away from my big food plot. And then, um, the, the big, the bigger food plot I have, it's like a 10 acre bottom, it borders a river, it's got a bluff on the north side and a river on the, or a slough on the south side. And then on the other side of that slough, there's about 30 acre swamp island and that's his that's his land too but I've never I've never hunted it but I think this year I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try when the hunting pressure goes up. I think that's where the deer go. They either cross the river or they go on that island cuz last year was the first year I've had more than one camera. I I've, I've been running one or two cameras I think. Mostly just one camera pretty much since 2010 down there. And last year I finally bought three cameras. And I learned a lot about deer movement and how the deer use it just from last year having one camera or more than one camera. And I've kind of put, I used to only have it in pretty much one spot because I got so good at pictures in the one spot. But I definitely have been able to kind of triangulate some deer. and Now this year I got six cameras down there, and um, but I kind of got off topic there. But there are d- different places that I've been scoping out um, for food plots. I just kind of try to pick, as of right now, the best dirt and the best location. The The big one I have right now is, like, located right in the middle of the farm. So, like, all the deer from all the farm is kind of heading toward the center of the farm, you know, instead of, like, heading toward the neighbors or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really thought of any, like, grasses because sometimes they just – they usually brush hog in August, but this year they haven't brushed hog yet. So they they're pretty much – this fescue you know but it's knee high but i haven't really thought about really planting any of that i i kind of want to plant some crp just for you know betting and stuff but i just don't
0: honestly have enough time right you should uh reach out to the guys at land and legacy the land and legacy podcast that's on this uh, feed as well those guys are way smarter than me and i, I bet you they could give you some information about uh what uh what you should do or what you could do on that property mm-hmm. uh, obviously given the uh given the approval of the landowner mhm
1: yeah the it's it's funny thing i i started listening to mark Kenyon and you um on wired to hunt like you know to whatever you guys started pretty much i I yeah. saw it on Facebook somewhere and i started i' probably much listened to probably ninety five percent of your guys' podcast and then you you kind of said you're gonna go off on your own and start your own podcast, and I didn't start listening to it. And then I started listening to yours, I would say back in January, February this year. And then I started listening to Land and Legacy. I saw something on Facebook about them, um, around probably May or so. And then it was pretty funny, like right when I start right after I started doing that, you guys kinda of formed together there in the middle of summer.
0: Yep. Yep. So well, I think you got I think you got uh a, a good farm, at least, uh, it's what it sounds like. I mean, it sounds to me like, other than you know, having some some other people and some other hunting pressure uh come in, are, do they do d- deer drives on that farm? Where they kind of push it?
1: Um. Well, they they used to. They don't do that as much anymore. I'd say a lot. They haven't really done that probably since 2011 or 12. Right. But that's what it, well that's that was a the problem. They they uh, opening weekend they'd have like a family reunion down there, so they would have they would have all their family, kids and everything, and they'd all stay down there and and they'd be walking through the woods. And then like one group of family would run off the farm because they were only going to be there one day, so they, they'd run off the farm. And that's what really like just completely ran the deer off. But they don't they don't do that as much anymore,
0: honestly. Well, that's good. I mean, sounds to me like you got. Damn near six hundred acres, almost to yourself. At least during the archery season, mm-hmm. anyway. When does Missouri's yeah, gun th- season kick in?
1: Um, I believe this year it's uh, November eleventh.
0: I think. Okay. All right. Well, you get. A and little it's bit ten of days run. long.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm pretty excited. Last year, I think I took off. I took off school, not work, but I took off two days. So I hunted a weekend, and I hunted like a four day weekend. Um, I, I mean, I, I, would hunt weekends too, you know, like late season and whatnot, but, um, I didn't, I didn't, you know, cause of school and everything. I was going to school in Springfield, Missouri. So I was about two hours away. So unless there's like a cold front coming through or something, I'd, I would only kind of selectively pick my weekend, but I always end up managing to get it done every year.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. Sounds like you got a good farm, man. Well, I tell you what, let me be the first to let you know. Well, you haven't been hunting yet, so... Good luck this season, man. Uh, I hope it. I hope it all comes together and you get one of those uh, deer you got uh, your eye on. Yeah,
1: I I really. I've been looking for one to show up. Um, He's about 140 inch mainframe 12 last year, so he wasn't he wasn't real big. Um, But he he was about a four and a half year old last year, I think. And uh, I had him all summer, all season long. Never could catch up with him, but I haven't got him yet. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he turns into if he's still around there, but I haven't checked my cameras in about two weeks and, um, I'm really excited. I, I think that's the deer I'm most looking forward to seeing if I can get a picture of him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, well, good luck, man. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you connect, hit me up and we'll do another podcast.
1: Sounds good. I
0: appreciate you having me on. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout-out to Corey for coming on the show and taking a bit of his time to uh, chat with me here today, talk about his farm in Missouri. Good luck to Corey this year. Huge shout-out to all of the partners of this podcast, Deer Lab, Ripcord Aerogrest, Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Archery, Gearhead Archery, Ozonics lone wolf tree stands one two three four five six seven and deer lab that's it that's all of them be sure to go out and support those companies because uh they support me and um they're they're just a bunch of badass companies uh, run by great people so uh be sure to check uh, out those companies huge shout out to each and every one of you please subscribe to this podcast um you know, not only are you getting this podcast on one RSS feed, but you're getting the Land and Legacy podcast. You're getting the DIY Sportsman's podcast. And here pretty soon you're going to be getting another podcast. It's going to be Western themed. The name of it is going to be Transition Wild. And it is about the life of adam parr Um, and he's going to be talking about western hunting his transition where he used to be living in michigan and now he is moved to colorado to live i guess the western lifestyle and it's his podcast is going to be similar to the nine finger chronicles podcast where his guests and uh, topics will revolve around western hunting and western gear so uh if you like this podcast you're gonna love that podcast uh so we have four badass podcasts on the same rss feed and a majority of you have really really liked this idea and um there's been a couple of you that are like hey man um what if i don't want to listen to one well then don't listen to it um I know it, I know it comes on your phone, but go ahead and just delete it and listen to what you want to listen to. Um, maybe it's not for everybody, but, uh, I, I can assure you that each podcast on this RSS feed is full of great information. And, um, the hosts are all very intelligent and definitely know a thing or two about not only hunting whitetails, but their specialty. Um, not, not just whitetails, but out West as well. So, um, just keep that in mind other than that guys check out social media um, there's a lot going on with all of the podcasts that are on this feed, and that's the Land and Legacy Podcast, the DIY Sportsman's Podcast, the Nine Finger Chronicles Podcast, and coming later this month, first of November, is going to be Transition Wild Podcast, um, along with another really big announcement. Some of you guys are already starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together, but uh, I'm very excited to get uh, that project up and running, and uh, you will then see why we're bringing all of these podcasts onto one rss feed i know i'm uh talking a lot in this outro but uh you know check me out on facebook check me out on twitter check me out on instagram same with all the other uh podcasts that are on this feed they have social media platforms as well um go to itunes leave a review and if you're gonna be in a mother flipping tree wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.